Anxiety, stress, sleep, asthma, exercise-induced bronchoconstriction are all becoming epidemic in our population, especially in endurance sports. It's time to get control of our nervous system and respiratory performance. The best way to do this is through performance breathing. Two landmark studies have been done. The Framingham study and the study out of Buffalo University discovered that how long you live is primarily determined by how well you breathe. Yet very little is mentioned about breathing in our population. Not only did we at Mountain Wellness develop the methodology for breathing for the mountain athlete in the most demanding environments in the world, we went beyond that with our closed balance system. Testing it on multiple mountain passes at 10, 12, 13, and even on the summit of Mount Whitney multiple times, 14,000 feet. Because if you know how to thrive up there, you will crush your pursuits at 7, 8, 9, and 10,000 feet, reducing mountain sickness, increasing hydration, getting more oxygen delivery. This course covers everything to create the most optimal respiratory performance currently available. Head to mountainwellnesslife.com. Under the tab Courses, you can see the full outline of everything we offer in our online video training course. Whether you want to improve your health and longevity or want the best available strategy for the mountains on race day, we have you covered. What up, mountain athletes? Corey here. I want to talk to you about supplements. Uh, They can be so confusing. You don't know which ones to take. You don't know if you're taking a trusted brand. Uh, You're reading different stuff. Your friends are telling you stuff. Stop stressing. We got you here at Mountain Wellness. Head over to our website at mountainwellnesslife.com. Click on the menu tab and you'll see supplements. Once you're there, you will be able to shop and browse all of the trusted brands that we carry here at Mountain Wellness like Thorn Research, Peer Encapsulations. Uh, But the best part is if you set up a personal profile, if you have any questions, I can answer them personally. So maybe you don't even know what to take. Uh, I can answer those right there on your profile. Also, we have protocols that are already set up for general nutrition, uh, as far as just general daily protocols, um, and even specific protocols for gut. So head over to our website at mountainwellnesslife.com, click on the menu tab and you'll see supplements and you'll be on your way to browsing and shopping all the trusted brands here at Mountain Wellness. Mountain Wellness, optimizing human performance to extend longevity for mountain athletes. What up, mountain athletes? Welcome to another episode of Mountain Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Ree, and I'm joined, as always, with my mountain brother, Mr. Mike. Mahina. What's going on, bro? Yes, yeah, a rare day where it's 100% California today. <laughs> That's right. Still in SoCal, enjoying the sunny weather down here. And it, uh, I think it only, it's only right with the guest we have coming on oh, today because right? he's also uh, in SoCal. And we got none other than Mark Devine, who is... Uh, Retired from the SEAL teams 20 years, retired as a commander, New York Times bestseller, founder of SEAL Fit, serial uh, serial entrepreneur. Um, God, the list goes on and on. What else, Mike? Uh, We hunted the best, found the best in human performance, (laughs) resilience, and mindset. Like this this guy, if in my mind, is like... At the top of the game in in, in, in all of those respects, and resilience in 
mental toughness. It doesn't get any better at teaching than the, what you're going to hear today. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I mean, we go deep into this conversation, and, and uh, for a little bit of context, uh, Mike and I have a, a personal relationship with Mark that's um, spanned over the last decade, and I personally um, have been deeply affected by Mark's work. I went through SealFit 20X, as I've mentioned on this podcast several times. Um, all you regular listeners know how, you know, what a big impact that was. And, um, and those that don't know, uh, just a little overview. Mark founded SealFit, which is uh, essentially uh, a training program to train up potential SEAL candidates, guys that want to go into the SEAL teams. Um, and, you know, as Mike was saying, everything from strength and conditioning to mindset, mental toughness, leadership, um, all these different things. And I was super blessed to go through, uh, back in 2013, I went through 20X and, and it was one of the most profound experiences of my life. And I'm still pulling lessons from that 12 hour experience. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's just, uh, an incredible blessing to have Mark on the show today. And, and Super it was, blessed, yeah. we, like I said, we got deep and it's just, uh, his wisdom is just incredible. So I think you guys are, well, I know you're going to get an incredible amount of information out of this. Um, and we, Mark talks a little bit about the 20 X experience. And I think you guys will get a kick out of just hearing it, from, <laughs> hearing it from him about some of the things that I've talked about from being in the ice tub to, just being beat to hell out on the grinder. Um, but it goes much deeper than that as we talk about. Yeah. Know, it's so much more than the physicality because we think of Navy SEALs who, you know, obviously are physical specimens and uh, the cream of the crop, the alphas. But uh, Mark is so much more than that. And um, his time in the SEAL teams is a very small part of who he is and what he does today. So, 100%. You ready for this? Yeah, let's I'm go. Ready. Let's go talk to Mark Devine. How's your morning, Mark? Fucking awesome. <laughs> I love it. Just got finished training. That's what I told Mike. I bet you, I was like, I bet he's running up and down the beach right now. <laughs> did, doing, uh, did, did, something. did an hour of Aikido, did uh, half hour yoga, did my wad, was in the hyperbaric chamber oh, for man. an hour. It's been a good morning so far. Wow. Nice. Okay, there's five, four or five talking points right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm not at altitude, so I got to work harder down here. Uh, so we're in California. Corey's yeah. came down to visit me right now, so it just worked out. Yeah, I flew in yesterday to SoCal. Um, SoCal is originally home, but I moved up to Montana about six years ago to start Mountain Wellness. So you're down in San Diego? No, we're we're up in uh, Moore Park, like Thousand Oaks, Ventura County. Okay. So... An hour Ventura. from you. Yeah, that's like Northern California to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> Northern of Southern California. Yeah, totally. And you're San Clemente, correct? Or Carlsbad? I'm I'm in, uh, right now I'm in Carlsbad. I live uh. in Encinitas. We're heading, our, we're taking our office back down. The headquarters. I mean, we're, yeah. Nice. It's only 10 minutes away. All right, you nice all good day. on your end? I thought Montana. you guys were out in Wyoming. Yeah, Montana. Montana. Base of the Elkhorn Mountains. Southwest Montana. So Helena, right, kind of right in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been to Helena. So we. That's a beautiful area. I was out at a ranch. We, we ran an event called Turning Steel out there once on, I think, the Amazon number two's ranch. It's like seven or 8,000 acres. 
I feel like yeah. I heard another Beautiful. retired SEAL talking about that event. Somewhere yeah, Dan Cirillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dan Dan was my, we were business partners in that venture. Right on. Till that went to shit. <laughs> like most business partner ventures with SEALs go to shit eventually. You know, it's tough. I mean, yeah, life is. It is. Business is a marriage. I mean, it fully, totally is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had spotty luck as of pretty much anyone. Well, you've had quite a it's few tough. ventures, so maybe we can even talk a little bit about yeah, I was, that today. Have started twenty businesses. Holy wow! Shit. Serial entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay. Twenty, <laughs> and uh, you know, some were successful, and probably like seventy percent were just little creators. You know, some big creators. Oh yeah, I've had it too. I mean, we've had yeah. No, I get it. Like it's just. Everything yeah, looks like it's, it's supposed to be right on the inset, and then you're you know you're in the middle of it, and you're like, ah, it just didn't seem like it was going to turn out like this, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of pieces have to line up, you know, right? Timing, yes, timing's a big deal. Yeah, and obviously the most important, I think, is you know the, the people, your partners. And then I tried going it alone, and that's got its limitations too, because then you need capital and yeah, <laughs> so true, and mentors, and you know you can't go it alone, obviously. So it took me a while to figure that one out yeah we're kind of right in the middle of that right now mike and i All right. um i founded mountain wellness about three years ago uh started with a recovery den uh focused on like mountain athlete recovery infrared saunas yoga massage therapy nice. and and then last year we um started a second company under mountain wellness which is mountain wellness media which is expanding into our online training courses eventually uh like in-person experiences retreats and stuff like that but with that capital funding investors you know mm -hmm. all that all that fun stuff to to get a to get a sort of the launching pad but then mm -hmm. as you mentioned just the all it's, the different aspects not just the partner but you know all the different yeah. people that are involved in the the growth of the business and all the different departments it, it takes a lot to manage but the timing's right, though. I think the you know the world is yearning for that integrated training and wellness. You know, when I started SealFit back in two thousand six, we were doing all of that, right? So I had my training center, twenty thousand square foot training center. We had our yoga room, we had the mat room for self defense, and we did yoga, meditation, self defense, CrossFit, and SealFit training. And I just considered yeah. it like one big thing initially. I was calling it Fusion <laughs> Fitness, and then I was realizing that. Right nobody really understood what I was doing and I couldn't really sell. So I had to break it apart into its component parts, which was, it made sense at the time, but then it led to like a spaghetti bowl trying to manage, you know what I mean? I had a <laughs> right. CrossFit gym, I had a yoga studio, I had a self-defense, you know, I had my seal fit stuff. I had my unbeatable line stuff. And, you know, I was like a one-legged man in an ass kicking contest trying to hold it all together. So I'm actually so now, just, I'm going no back in the other, there is no roadmap. Yeah, there, right. There's no map. You're like, you're like, this blank, this is a blank canvas and I've yeah. got to figure it out. Like you have to figure it out. Which is and, why. And one thing. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, and you've probably experienced this too, Mark, where it's uh, like business plans for me are kind of ridiculous in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, they give a, they give a general roadmap, um, but it's so funny because it's like you have to quickly adapt um, yeah. when you see opportunities that the business could, you know, really value from. Yeah. Uh, so that's been a challenge for me. Like our CFO is just like, well, you got to revise your business plan. I'm like, well, that could change tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Based no, I, on, I you agree. know, 
I, I don't even think you should call it a plan because no plan survives contact with reality. As you guys know, we're like no climbing yeah. plan survives contact with the mountain and the seals. Yep. No, you know, plan survive contact with the enemy because the enemy has a say there and the weather has a say in the mountain. And yes, and yeah. in business, everything has a say, you know, <laughs> the okay, we need to, we need us to get into recording because yeah, Mark's already starting to lay down some stuff. It's so important. Dude, I, I learned that a long time ago. I just press play right at the beginning. I thought you did this. Yeah. This is awesome. Some of the best stuff comes out when you're just blabbing. That's right. And, <laughs> and we were recording, so we're good. But I, I, I think just for for context for our listeners, um, um, I shared a little bit about my personal experience with you. Um, I know it's been, gosh, almost a decade, but uh, I, I showed up in, in San Antonio for the 20X experience um, and with Kenny Kane, uh, you know, Kenny is a mutual friend of ours and mm. I didn't really know what I was getting into other than this, this, this guy, Mark Devine had started this thing called seal fit that was all around, uh, physical and mental toughness training. Um, I didn't do know much about seals other than they were the, you know, the most badass military operators. Um, <laughs> so honestly, when I showed up to to seal fit 20 X, I was just like, okay, this is going to be like a physical test. And at that point I was, um, competing in CrossFit as an adaptive athlete. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but I'm, I'm totally blind. That's why I wear these oh, yeah. badass shades. In fact, you know, um, hang on while you're talking, I'm going to grab something. Hang on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I thought it was going to be this physical test, which it was, but, um, the physical test. Oh my gosh! Is Come it on, the Seal Fit Challenge poster. He's yeah, he's got the poster up. That's amazing. Oh, that's sick. Remember that? That's been on my yeah. wall since then. Every oh man, yeah, look that's at that cool, every I, day, man. <laughs> it's awesome. That's so rad. Sorry, I should have brought experience, that up to begin with. Yeah, it was that incredible. Experience was. Oh, it was unbelievable yeah. for me. And I was just a camera guy. I tell Cam Corey, I'm just a, cam a donut-eating camera guy. That's all I was <laughs> when I showed up. I didn't know anything about health or anything. Or I'm like, why are these guys torturing these guys? I got to learn more about this. Yeah, and it was, that's like, like Mike said, he was just chasing me around with a camera at that point. He hadn't really got into his health and wellness journey. And I was on just this crusade of like, my life was flipped upside down uh, a couple years before that. Um, but I had, you know, been an athlete my whole life and was really starting to find my identity again as an athlete and, and pushing the limits. Uh, uh, thankful, like very thankful for Kenny because of that. And then, yeah, like awesome. I said, I showed up to this, <laughs> this seal fit challenge in San Antonio. I thought it was going to be a physical test, which it was. Um, but that was, that was very much just the conduit to the deeper stuff. And I think that's, uh, I'd like maybe for you to share. Um, uh, I think it'd be, really cool to cover a little bit of your story mm -hmm. on um your experience in the seal teams like what led you into the seal teams because i know um it, it, you went in as an officer um and it wasn't something that you went right out of high school at 18 years old so right. i think that's really unique about your story so would love to hear that and then sort of how um retiring and in how that sort of led you to your mission at seal fit I don't think retirement's in his program, though. He's got so much going on. <laughs> retirement from the SEAL teams. Which I love. I mean, that's like, I, I think that's, you know, I'm getting in my older year. I'm 57 now. And yeah, so I'm 59, I think. I kind of lost track. Un 
Yeah, it doesn't matter, but uh, it's all how you feel, I think. And and I think, you know, you've, if I think if it wasn't for all of you guys, you, Corey, you, and Kenny Kane, that, that line, I probably would never have done anything health-wise. I wouldn't be able to run and do the mountains now. I know it. Okay. Like, I just yeah. wasn't, I, I was overweight. I was headed to type 2 diabetes when I met Corey, mm-hmm. and I was able to reverse it all, so... Before we keep going, you got to introduce Mark so we can get on the show. <laughs> yeah, no. That, I, so, Mark, if you could just like share a little bit about your story, um, yeah. um, so we can uh, give some context to, yeah. you know, where your experience. Yep. Is, Welcome to the Mount Wellness rooted, Podcast. <laughs> is rooted from <laughs> would be great. Let me. So, I want to like first say that that event down in Texas. Yeah. What was the name of the group that we did it with? The um, Transition, transition possible. Transition possible. Yeah, they, they did a great mm-hmm. job and they brought us down there. And um, that was the first time that we had worked with adaptive athletes and wounded warriors. And, and so I wasn't sure how it was going to go. But I knew that we could do it, right? Because we've worked with all sorts of cats and dogs. You know, if I, I would actually, you know, when I thought, I was like, man, it's going to be a hell of a lot easier to work with these guys. And it, it would be, let's say, a, a, a 55-year-old overweight female. And I've done that, you know. Right. And uh, they, sure. they do just fine. But what was really cool is we paired, remember we paired you, Corey, with um, CEOs from YPO? And we said, okay, this is a 12-hour event, but, you know, if you need to leave, it's six hours, and we understand. And at six hours, like half the CEOs were like, I'm out of here, and all, you, all the athletes are like, bring it on! And you guys were, you guys were like literally carrying these others, you know, these other like perfectly normal, you know, normal air quotes, right? <laughs> Meaning they have all their sure, rims sure, sure. and their eyesight. Yeah. And um, obviously, you proved to be the much stronger individuals, which was just awesome. And it's like proved to me once again that Wounded Warriors adaptive athletes are great gifts to humanity because of the resiliency and the mental strength. And, you know, you just the positive attitude. Right. And right. Once you get on the other side of your, the trauma and you're like, okay, now, now I got to buck up and do this thing. It's unbelievable. And, I, and that came out loud and clear. And you remember at the end of that event, <laughs> like we did shit that today would probably get us thrown in jail, right? So <laughs> we, had, we had, we had, we had a Corey, parking lot, no less. With yeah, a thousand parking people standing around. <laughs> Everyone's watching with cameras. We had yeah, all these people were stopping by, driving by on the street, like, oh my God, what like, is oh going God, on? Like, you can't do that to those people. So we had all the adaptive athletes like take off their prosthetics and like put them in a pile. In the corner, remember that? And then I and then we had, remember. Then we had the CEOs give had like a time hack, and we had the CEOs go over there and grab all the different parts. You know, it's like grabbing different parts of like a robot and try to reassemble them, you know, figure out which one belonged to which athlete. And and wow. it was a total shit show. And it was a team building event. It was they were under high stress. They were highly uncomfortable doing this. Right? This I can only imagine. Right? Very kind of unusual event. And man, they they were having some serious breakdowns. Not not. The athletes, mm. but the, the executives. Yeah. Because this is right. very emotional for them. And it was, um, by the time we finished, it was just an unbelievably powerful experience. Anyways, you remember that, yeah, Corey? Yeah, I remember the sh- <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I, told, I do. And that, that evolution was um, one of the, had one of the biggest impacts on me emotionally. Right. Um, when you took the, our prosthetic devices off, because I remember at that mm. point, you know, I had a lot of confidence in my athletic abilities, my physicality, like, um, and 
it was uh it was really strategic on on your part because as soon as that device was off i immediately felt vulnerable again it was like right. mm. oh shit like i can't do it showed you how much of a crutch it can become and you know guess what you yeah. still need to be able to function at a high level without that it's interesting yep. so yeah anyway yeah, so <laughs> it's cool shit yeah it was badass and and you know we talked about it on the intro too it was uh it was it, I still pull lessons from that experience. Um, and you cool. said that it, you said it's going to be one of those things over the, over the years and over time, you're just gonna be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like right. That's what that means. Or I understand that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You asked and about years how later. Like, yeah. Yeah. Years later. Well, people come back, you know, we started the, the kind of the model for that we call Kokoro and we still run it today. And that was, it's basically a hell week simulation. The Navy SEALs hell week, as you guys know, is, is nonstop training for six days around the clock. And it is a physical, like it's physically the hardest thing that a human being could do, except for like Shackleton being lost on the ice. You know what I mean? And, you know, for, for six months or a year, I mean, there are harder right. things that a human being has endured, but voluntarily putting you through training like that, it's, it's pretty epic. But it, the physical part is just the kind of like the, it's just the ticket to entry. And what really happens yeah. is similar to what you experience with TP, Transition Possible is, and Seal Fit is um, you, you quickly get through the physical, um, just like, like a hard training. Once you burn through the resistance and, you rec- and your body mind settles into the new normal, it's like, okay, shit, we're here to stay. This isn't going away. Then mm-hmm. it becomes um, an emotional experience. And then you burn through that and you overcome, you know, the emotional urges to quit and all the patterns that arise, which are standing in your way as obstacles. And then it becomes all about the team. And so then it opens up into almost a spiritual experience of, hey, we're the only thing that matters to me is to get my teammates through this thing. And in your giving of all of yourself Mm -hmm. to your teammate, then you get all of this energy back in return. And it's this massive epiphany where you're just like, holy shit. Right. This is what humanity is about. It's about serving mm. your fellow man and woman. And when you do that, suddenly you have all this energy and all this health and all this purpose and all this motivation. That feels and, very tribal. Like very, yeah. it sounds very. Well, it brings, um, us, brings you back to your roots as a, as a, a tribal being that is, needs to be in, in relationship and in connection and yes, open-hearted connected and, right. and recognizes just like our ancestors that you can't possibly go alone in this world we've created a society or a culture you know that's protected you from pretty much everything and taught you that oh mm. basically you know you can go do this alone and staunch individualism is the way and you know and so everyone gets walled up and armored up and you know goes out as if they're about ready to fight the zombies every day and 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 they don't recognize that they're actually weakening themselves and they're cutting themselves off from their joy bliss and their real power as a human which is to be in service to others so i think that's and what connected we right and connected yeah and, yes i mean truth in true service is that way it's a heart connected it's not like transactional so when i say service i mean in that way we're like i truly care mm-hmm. about my teammates yeah. or my who i'm serving i had to experience that myself you know because i i grew up in a small town in upstate new york 385 people my dad was <clears throat> You know, wow, three hundred eighty-five. That's my dad was wow. rough and tumble guy. You know, come from a long line of hardcore alcoholics, and he was pretty abusive. And so I'd like to not oh. be in his presence as much as possible. So I, that's what, probably why I became an athlete. You know, my mom got me out of the house. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I was a competitive swimmer and, and um, triathlete, road crew, and I spent a lot of time outdoors. 
all the kind of right things, you know, to prep for being a future SEAL, even though I, that wasn't, like you said, Corey, it wasn't anything it wasn't that I was, your radar. it wasn't on my yeah. radar. Upstate New York is kind of the, one of those cultures where, you know, you join the military, right? If you fuck up or if you got nothing better to do, right? So, you yeah. know, not like dislike the rest of the country. It's a blue collar thing. And unless you come from a military family, or you're from the South, you know, where you've got a long history of, you know, military service. So it wasn't my story. We were a business family. We had a, a, mm-hmm. a business in the family that had been over 100 years old, multi-generational. We were just expected to kind of come back home and run this business or be part of it. And all my siblings mm. are to this day. I'm the black sheep of the coop. <laughs> <laughs> but I went to Colgate University. I swam competitively there. You know, I had a pretty normal, you know, college experience, you know, chasing girls and drinking a lot of beer. And I think academics yeah. were like fourth on the list, you know. <laughs> totally. girls, girls, beer, sports. And school, economic. We were just talking about that yeah, last we night. Were, we were literally, that was like, all I cared about until I was yeah. about 30. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not alone, I know. Right. And then I, passage. Uh, I got it, I, you know, I did well enough and I, there were a few things that happened that I, that I attribute to my, just my soul driving me saying, do this, do this, do this, that really I had no business doing. One was, you know, I, I drove to get into this overseas study program for this econ economics group, which you literally had to have a 4.0 to get in, but I was a, I was a 2.8 student, but I pestered the guy who was running the program. He was also a swimmer. Like he was this older uh, professor named Honkaledo. And I used to see him down in the pool all the time. So I, I befriended him and I just, pest- every time I saw him, I chatted up with him and, you know, <laughs> yeah. compliment him and ask him if there was a spot open. And he's like, and he finally put me on a waiting list. And, um, he knew like, well, I'm just going to placate this guy. He's never going to go. But then it turns out that some one guy from like five tile fraternity went on a bender and didn't show up for the <laughs> mandatory meeting at the end <laughs> where they're like handing out tickets and everything. <clears throat> and he called me up and he said, Mark, you're in. And so I I'm went one to, bender I ahead of you. Europe. I was, yeah, he was one bender ahead of me and I went to Europe <laughs> and that changed my life to go, you know, go from a small right. town in upstate New York to a literally a college 45 minutes away, which is in another small town in upstate New York from an abusive family with the expectation that I was coming home to run the family business. Right. That right. was my story. And it was pretty narrow, pretty limited. Right. And then I go overseas and all of you know that like when you first travel like that, like some of us is the military and some of us is in school, but man, it just radically altered my perspective changed who I was. And it gave me the confidence to go after one of these like highfalutin jobs that were being recruited on campus. So I started to Mm. take seriously those jobs and I put in some applications and I actually got hired by Coopers and Libran, which is now PricewaterhouseCoopers. Again, Mm. they had no business hiring me, you know, because they were looking for the top students. So I don't know, maybe it was my good looks or something like that. But they liked, I think they (laughs) liked the fact that I was well-rounded as an athlete. And, um, and I, you know, like, I don't know, maybe it was, Maybe I charmed the uh, the recruiting, you know, girl or something. They hired me. I suspect he maybe uh, <laughs> probably saw something in you. Yeah, maybe, that's maybe, maybe that I didn't see it myself. And part- you know what? That's a good point, though, because there's a lot of times when you don't see it in yourself, and somebody recognizes that's something true. in you. And that's I've had some huge moments because of that. I'm like, I don't see it, and then yeah. eventually you do, and you're like, okay. Yeah, I did not see it, and you're right. They did, and they gave me a chance, just like Honkaleto gave me a chance. And I had to literally, the, the pro- program sent me and a bunch of others to NYU Stern School of Business, which is a fantastic business school. 
to get mm. our master's in accounting. So the program, the, Coopers is a accounting consulting firm. So PricewaterhouseCoopers, most people know the name of that. And mm-hmm. um, this program, they had partnered with other firms like Coopers. So Arthur Anderson, Ernst, what's now Ernst and Young or EYs, et cetera. And so we had a cohort of, of individuals that these firms hired who were all from these top liberal arts schools, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Brown, Colgate, Williams, et cetera. And, they, and none of us had an accounting major because none of these schools had accounting. We weren't accounting schools, we were liberal arts. And, but they sent yeah. us to NYU to get our master's in accounting and that would qualify us to, to become certified public accountants, which is a requirement. And then um, the idea was that they wanted partners at those firms who were more well-rounded and not just bean counters. Right. That was the idea. So I, I went there, um, started working and got my master's in accounting and transferred in the MBA program, got my MBA in finance and um, painfully passed the CPA exam. Took me four tries. So there I am, MBA CPA from 1985 to 1989. Wow. This was this journey. Well, during that time frame, the one, the other radically significant thing that happened to me was there was something else about my spirit or my personality, which was different than everyone else. And that was that I mm. refused to see my body go into decline. Like I saw all the mm. other, you know, suits. Yeah. And so I, so I got up every morning and I went for a six mile run and I went to the gym at lunchtime and banged out what we now know as a high intensity interval workout, which back then nobody said anything about that stuff, but right. you know, right. I would just carve out a few pieces of equipment, you know, kind of rope them off with my energy, put some dumbbells down and I would just like blast for 25, 30 minutes, <laughs> take a shower, and then I go back and sweat at my office for about an hour afterwards. It's just awesome. And anyway, so they would let us off at around five, and we had to be down at uh, um, World Trade Center, where NYU was at the time, at around 7.30 for a night class. And I looked at that. Most, most of, the, of my peers would go home, shower, you know, change, have some dinner, and, get, and do some studying or something. And I said, well, geez, there's a, another training block. I can get three training sessions in if I use that time. And I'm thinking, what mm-hmm. am I going to do? Like, I, I don't have time to row or do anything sport. I don't want to go back to the gym. And I was pondering this, you know, one day when I was walking home and I, I came across a martial arts studio quite by accident. Mm-hmm. I literally was just pondering and I heard these big shouts and screams coming from the second floor story window. And I look up and I'm standing under this flag and it said World Sato Karate Headquarters. And I was like, whoa, that sounds <laughs> awesome, you know? So I went up yeah. to check it out and I, and I saw this Japanese man. 10th degree black belt, founder of the school named uh, Tadashi Nakamura, Kaicho, mean grandmaster was his title, leading a black mm. belt class. And, and there was something qualitatively different about that man than, I'd, than any other human being I'd ever seen. Mm. I was like, whoa. Like he was intense. But at the same time, he Just or someone would say something funny yeah. and he'd like crack up like a little schoolgirl, right? <laughs> <laughs> you would not expect that, right? You right, wouldn't right. expect that. Like he's just so light and spontaneous, but this guy was deadly. You know what I mean? Right. I later saw um, in the Madison Square Garden a um, demonstration that he did where he had these blocks of ice that were like almost, you know, eight or 10 inches thick, six of them stacked on these little, little tiny wood pegs. Or, or sticks. And he, what he did is he stood in front of it and went into his meditative state. And then all of a sudden you heard this, this explosion come out of him. And his head mm. just would go like this, whap, smack his forehead onto the top and all six just oh, go, just split. 
right down the middle. Wow. If any one of the three of us tried that, we would literally kill us. <laughs> Holy shit. I'd be know, dead, our, yeah. Our head would shatter into a million pieces. Yeah. I'd be explaining to the doctor. Yeah, and his, his, his... Seemed like yes. a good idea. <laughs> you wouldn't be explaining anything, right? You would be D-E-D yeah, dead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> his teacher was a guy named Masayama, who was the founder of Kyokoshin Kai. And he was famous for cutting the horn off of a charging bull with his hand. Right. So, so this is my first experience with the fact that, wow, Mm -hmm. you know, human beings when trained can do some pretty extraordinary things physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. And I was really intrigued because that was different than my sports training, my athletic training. I had some cool experiences like with visualization and, and I knew that, that the mind body connection was, was definitely tuned up and, and um, enhanced through athletic training, but this is different. Mm -hmm. And so I signed up right away. And, and uh, of course, I saw that demonstration later, but I had signed up that day or the next day and started training with Nakamura. And it just so turns out that what was qualitative different wasn't just because of his martial arts training. It's because he was also a Zen master. And he taught mm-hmm. a Zen class to his martial arts students. And only a small group of like eight or 10 black belts would go to the class every Thursday night. And I asked mm-hmm. him if I could join that class as a white belt. He said, sure, you know. And so we would do a little bit of meditating before and after each class, but then on those Thursday nights, we would sit for an hour on that little wooden Zazen bench. And then this group, he would take us up to the Zen Mountain Monastery, which was in Woodstock, New York, twice a year for these four-day retreats where we'd sit with the monks and do karate and sit with the monks and do karate. It's just amazing. Damn, that's badass. So my mind, you know, and, and now what we know about neuroplasticity and meditation and and human development, like my mind was just hypercharged with growth from the integration and the juxtaposition of that really hardcore multi-dimensional martial arts training with the meditation the yin the yang the hard and the soft the action and the inaction and i remember going through all these different subjective states that were just i'd never experienced before you know radical <laughs> flow states dropping into like complete nothingness but where i was completely aware you know which is like that <laughs> awakened awareness state I started mm-hmm. to have imagery come to me and I started to like have to journal all of my, you know, so I started the journaling practice. I wanted to capture, wow. make sense of what was happening. And so I, what was happening is I was starting to like develop the metacognitive ability to separate from my thoughts and emotions. And then that, that made my life look kind of like a movie that was playing in front of me whenever I was wow. sitting on that bench. Okay. And I was huh. able to examine that movie and, and I looked at that and I said, you know what? I don't, I don't like that movie. That doesn't seem like my story because the, the sensations, the imagery that I was getting in my longer meditation sits kept on showing me a different, just kind of like you said, someone else saw something in me that I didn't, yeah. but they didn't see the story that was in my head. Only I could see that. So when I was able to separate from that story, I could see the story that I saw and, that, and I could see that it wasn't the story that other people saw or that my spirit or soul had for me. So the meditation was creating like reflection. I mean, like you could literally play it back, like almost like a tape recorder and see what was happening. That's what I'm getting. Okay. And those were long meditations. I'm trying to get an idea of how long those were. Yes. And the long meditations, but also it it was a progressive sense of the more I meditated consistently every day, the more I developed this capacity to have that metacognitive ability and to to kind of think, to watch my thinking and to think about my thinking. And then also, so that was more the metacognitive kind of outward flow of the the meditation where i was watching my life before my very eyes 
But then there was a call, also this kind of inward flow where I was just sinking deeper and deeper and able to connect with, you know, my, my intuitive self, my inner guidance system, you know, my spiritual center, what, whatever you want to call it. You know, I don't care if you call it Bob. It's that was telling me something, right? And what it was telling right. me is that I was meant to be a warrior. Not a, <laughs> not a merchant, you know, and I believe in the way I teach these t- things today is I really do believe that your calling or purpose is like an archetypal urge. It's not like, oh, my calling is to be, to run mountain wellness. <laughs> no, my, my mm-hmm. calling is to do something like archetypal urge, you know, and it can change. Absolutely. It can change. So mine changed from, I'm going to be a warrior and kick ass and take names to, to now I'm still a warrior, but I'm a teacher. And, you know, and, you know, in five years, I'll be, I'm a warrior and I'm a, you know, warrior monk and a teacher, you know what I mean? That kind of and thing. And the wisdom of the, the wisdom that comes with those, those years of being a warrior. It, yeah. I would. Informs. It would and, seem like you, yeah, and, exactly. And everything he's explaining, by the way, is opposite of anything we would ever learn being of the world. Like That's being right. in the, you know, the industrialized lifestyle, you're, you're going a hundred percent in the other direction. So That's I continue because right. I really. That's incredible. I, I, I feel blessed I appreciate to have that. stumbled upon this, right? So now people are mm-hmm. trying to teach you. There's suddenly a recognition that, hey, oh, it's important to spend time in silence and we'll call that meditation. It's got health benefits. It's got psychological benefits. Well, I learned it as a path toward wholeness and a path toward mastery. And I love that kind of like the martial arts path toward mastery. When later I got into yoga, I now have four black belts. I'm working on a keto right now. And, um, and I've also been doing yoga, like deep yoga training since 2000, 1999. Nice. And when I mean yoga, I'm not talking about the American stretchy bendy yoga, you know, like the yeah. Paramahansa, <laughs> Yanahanga, you know, meditation, visualization, trying to, you know, find the union of the little self or the big self, eight limb type of yoga. And so I've got over a thousand hours of yoga certification training. And we even wow. have, I've even developed our own yoga program called Kokoro Yoga. I've got a book out and program. It's um, an integration of kind of functional fitness, traditional asana, martial arts, breathing, meditation, and visualization. It's very powerful and it's great for guys. But anyway, so there I am, 1985, you know, doing this intense Zen practice with this martial arts while I'm working and going to school at night. My brain is just going, it's exploding in all directions. Right. And two years or so into that process, so now it's around 87. I was getting all this, this messages that I was meant to be a warrior, that I'm kind of a misfit for this CPA thing. And I'm like, I don't really, I don't think I'm a good fit for this. And I'd finished my master's degree and wow. I, but I wanted to get my MBA and I hadn't yet passed a CPA exam, but I kind of jumped the gun, right? And this is back to the, the discussion we had about timing, like with businesses. Yeah. I said, I, I, I'm going to go figure this out. And so I quit. Cooper's and Library, and I figured, well, I'm going to go take some time off, and I'm going to go. I had a friend who had uh, a cabin at the bottom of, um, um, where's Fred? Is it one of the big Tahoe resorts? It's not Squaw, but the one oh, the Squaw purchased. Sierra Tahoe, yes, Squaw. One, one of those. Um, he had a yeah. cabin out there, yep. and I, he said I could go stay there. So I went out there, and I was going to get a job at the ski resort, and and so I, I went out there and I did what, like, what I imagined a Zen master monk would do. You know what I mean? I, I got up and meditated every day and, and did my training and went out in nature and, you know, practiced my karate awesome. skills and waited for the snow and the snow never came. So I ran out of money and that was going to be my year, my, like my, my gap year where I was going to like figure right. things out. And, 
And I ran out of money and I was like, ah, oh, shit, you know, and I think and I missed karate. And by then I was only a yellow belt or whatever. And, um, and I knew that I hadn't, I really had wanted to get an MBA and not just a master's in accounting and I hadn't finished my CPA. And so I thought about it and I said, you know what? Um, this isn't the right way for me to go about this. So I'm going to go back mm-hmm. to New York. I'm going to get my job back. I'm going to finish my MBA. I'm going to finish my CPA. I'm going to get my black belt. And then I'm going to go off into the world and I'm going to be a warrior. But mind you, I didn't know about the SEALs yet. I, you know, I vaguely had heard of them, but I was thinking, you know, I wasn't sure. I would have figured it out. So I went back and Cooper said, thank you very much, but no. <laughs> but I, so I got a job with my roommate's company called Arthur Anderson and um, went back to NYU, worked at Arthur Anderson and uh, re-engaged with getting my CPA. And I did exactly what I was going to do. I finished all of those. In fact, in November 1989, I, I, tri- I, I uh, endured my first degree black belt test, which was intense. Was <laughs> we had like every single black belt in the metropolitan area, which was like 400 came that day to Yeah, please to fight, do tell. Love, to fight me to and, about this. and three other guys who were getting their black belt. And they just lined up in this big line and, and they would come out and yeah, yeah, we would just have to, we'd just go to town. And so about two hours into this, you know, we're getting into like the third time through the line. You know, we were all just exhausted. And that's when, that's when I just stopped using my head, right? I just stopped thinking and just started hmm. to like go into that place that, that you knew. You know, it's kind of like I've been there so many times before where you just have to stop trying so hard and just allow your body's wisdom to guide you. And I just started to do that quite unintentionally. I was just so exhausted. And when that happened, I started to really actually execute karate, what, you know, Master Nakamura was looking for. And that's when he called it. Like we literally, if he hadn't seen that, we would have been there for six hours, right? You were just looking for that moment where you just get out of your head and you just allow, you know, the training to take over. So I got clearly my, he, had, he had seen it before, right? He, had, he must have known, recognized this and said, this is the moment. Like, and I, I think well, he recognized it in, in general in any student when they find that yeah. and they say, okay, you're, right. you're qualified to be a black belt, which by the way, first degree black belt means you're ready to really learn. It's not the end of a journey. It's the beginning of the journey. <laughs> right. So I got my black belt. I got my MBA certificate or, uh, you know, completed and got that in the mail. I got my certified public accountant certificate yay which are two huge accomplishments three, right? yeah um, three huge and, huge. I, and then i left it all behind because i had decided a year and a half earlier after walking past a um a recruiting a navy recruiting studio right i was just wandering home you know pondering my life knowing i wanted to be a warrior not sure what to do about it hating my job but you know committed to finishing all this and us I, I i passed this window that had this poster in it and the poster said, be someone special across the top. And it had these Navy SEALs doing like wickedly cool shit. You know, jump. It didn't say Navy SEALs. It just said U.S. Navy in the bottom. Yeah. So you had the guys right. doing like free, free falling at night. Yeah. And then, you know, the submarine <laughs> locking out of the big submarine. <laughs> oh, and no. and yeah. you know, the sniper in the little hide site, you know, you had to look really closely. And I was just transfixed. I just stared at that thing for like an hour. I was like, holy shit, that's wow. it. Like, that's it. And um, it took me a while to get accepted. I was one of two people from the civilian world to get accepted to go through officer candidate school into the Navy SEALs. Most of the officers come from. Hmm. So you got your ticket right into right. like you didn't go on the fleet or anything. I didn't have you to go into the fleet. In. Yeah. They have this program. Well, I think they might have. Why do you think that was? 
Why do you think that is? That you're out of the two, what was they? What were they? What did they see? Were they seeing something again that you didn't see yet? <laughs> they saw something. You know, I got to tell you a little story. Like I still drag some of my my shadow with my parents, my dad's alcoholism into the Navy, and, mm. and, and it showed itself first when I tried to become a SEAL because you have to go through this program called MEPS, right? Which is the medical processing. So I went to MEPS the first time, and the night before it was a Saturday morning. The night before, I went out with some of my friends, and you know had a good time, which I thought was a normal, good time, right? <laughs> like, a, like a fraternity party kind of thing. <laughs> so I, I show up at Mets and the first thing to do is hand me this, you know, this, this breathalyzer thing. And I was dumb enough to blow into it. And he's like, sorry, oh. <laughs> sorry, dude, you, you, oh, just, you just blew positive and you can't, <laughs> you can't, you know, you're disqualified for six months. Oh, and I was like, damn, I wish they had told me that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mark says, well, you know what? There's another MEP station up in Albany because I was down in Long Island at the time. I'm just going to go up in Albany. And this is 1987. Like there, there's no way they're networked. And, you know, this is a, like the worst bureaucracy besides the DMZ. They're not the emailing each other. Totally. I don't think they're emailing each other in 1987. Yeah. <laughs> so I set up an appointment up in um, Albany and I go up to MEPS there and pass it with flying colors. I go back to New York and I'm at my desk a week later. And my, um, my recruiter, but mind you, I, this is like early in the process of my application. My recruiter calls me at work. You know, this is before cell phones and everything. Someone hands me the phone and said, Mark, you got a call. And I say, hello. And he's like, hey, Mark, this is Nick Philippone. <laughs> Lieutenant Philippone. I said, hey, Nick, how are you doing? He goes, good, good. I'm, he goes, I'm just checking in, uh, checking in, see how you're doing. You got anything to tell me? And I'm like, no, no, you got anything to tell me? He goes, nope. I said, okay, well, uh, keep me informed. He goes, I will click click and i just had this oh this immediate hit i was like god this guy oh. knows <laughs> and so i i was like shit so i called him back and he was like hi lieutenant philip and i said hey nick this is mark he goes hey mark how you doing i said listen yeah i uh i went up to meps in albany and uh, you know thinking i could you know kind of like trick the system he goes i know <laughs> <laughs> he said you know if you hadn't called back I was going to circular file your application. Wow. Okay. He's looking for integrity. Gotcha. Yeah, and then he says, you know what? The SEALs need sneaky bastards like you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just thinking that I've heard so many stories over you know the last 10 years of the like, SEALs pulling shit like that. Oh, so that's it, funny. I love it. <laughs> well, he was on a mission. He's like, I want to do this. I'm, just <laughs> gonna, mission, yeah, I'm not going to take no for an answer. We used to have a saying, which they've now kind of deleted from SEAL culture, was if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> <laughs> not trying hard enough. I like that. <laughs> so there you go. I, I ended up getting in to Buds that year. The Nick became a champion. I was one of two people. And... um I don't know what they saw in me, but I had a lot to offer. You know, MBA, CPA, sure. black belt in karate, oh, yeah, damn good go. athlete. Right. I would imagine um, the leadership qualities. Um, yeah, I remember well. when not, I went- Not just with you, but just with your, your what you were bringing into it. And, and the most important was the meditation though, right? Remember, I was at, you're supposed to have an interview with a senior officer, SEAL, before you even get accepted. But I got accepted- and so they had to like check that box. And so I'm at Officer Kennedy School and, and this um, commander named Woody Woodruff comes by, right? He's, he has to go out of his way to go to Newport, Rhode Island. And um, I go into this room and Woody is like 6'2", 
two or three tan, these piercing blue eyes. And it turns out Woody is one of the founders of the, of the Iron Man because the Iron Man was founded by a number of SEALs. I knew I recognized ah, that name. Yeah, Woody Woodrow. He's just a stud. What a great guy. So he's, he's checked this out. So we sit down and here's like, I'm not even an ensign yet. Like I'm an officer candidate, which is the same as an, like an E5 earning $500 a month, but I have an MBA, CPA, black belt. And at the time probably was a little cocky, but he sits down <laughs> and he, and he just smiles and he just stares at me, mm. right? He just stares at me. He doesn't say anything. And so I'm like, and I'm trying to, I'm staring back at him and I'm like, oh shit, we're playing the staring game. And I'm like, this guy's going to kick my ass in the staring game, <laughs> right? Cause he's a Navy SEAL. But I could tell he yeah. didn't have any ill intent. He was just he was just trying to see hmm. how it okay. would hold up, you know? Right. It's like most people are really comfortable just chatting it up, right? And and he was very comfortable just being quiet and just like, okay, let's just, silence. let's just have some hmm. silence here and let me see what happens. And so I just sat in silence a- with him because I had meditated for five years now or four years. And I was like, I just sat in silence and I wasn't like trying to stare him down. You're like... Who's in first to blink? I was just enjoying the sound. No, but you wouldn't ex- you wouldn't expect something like that to go down. Like I wouldn't. It was completely of out of the blue, right out of the box. And so I, right. I just kind of sat in quiet because I knew that it wasn't my job to ask the first question. Hmm. And so finally, like after ten minutes of this, he smiles and he goes, "Mark, have you ever <laughs> have you ever been completely out of control?" And I said, "No, sir." And he goes, "Well, hmm. you will be." <laughs> so yes sir and then i tell the story in my book the way of the seal he says well what what do you stand for Mm. right and Mm. i just started blurting some things out he goes stop he goes no what do you really stand for like what are your values Mm. and that's when i i immediately just nakamura just came into my head because my values for my family were non-existent it was like chaos right Right. right, I'm seeing the dichotomy. It's just so. Yeah. We, did, we didn't have discipline. dinner conversations about family values and you know, <laughs> right, right, future vision and stuff like that. You know, it was chaos. Right, and so, but but Nakamura had values, and he talked about them at his Thursday night meditation sessions. Afterwards, he would get a chalkboard out, and we'd go through these you know conversations. And you know, I looked at him. I said, you know what, I do have pretty strong stand. I said, one of the things I stand for is that there's no such thing as a free lunch that you got to, we got to work really hard for everything, you know, <laughs> to earn our right. Right. And so I was kind of speaking to the seal ethos of you got to earn your trident every day. I didn't know that at the time that the seal had the ethos, mm-hmm. but I intuitively knew that becoming a seal was not a one and done thing. You had to earn it every day. Just like I had to earn being a black belt every day. It's like <laughs> not the end of the road. It's the beginning. And he's like, mm, that's good. That's good. You know, and so I went through a number of others and uh, he liked my answers, right? And so anyways, he, he passed off. Yeah, it's interesting because I've heard a lot of uh, stories of, you know, seals and stuff. And one thing that really stands out with yours is you went in with the intention of becoming a warrior. That's right. Um, and that's... The that's seals really were just a vehicle for me to express that. Right. Because a lot of them you, you talk to, you know, initially it was like you know, shooting guns, jumping out of planes, doing all the badass stuff. But um, you had this deeper sense of like, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm, I'm yeah. following this, well, this, this calling. I'm and- gaining from, it's medita- I mean, he's brought up meditation several times and I'm thinking, so the meditation gave you tremendous 
perspective. And so I'm just curious now, like knowing now back then what you're giving us what that meditation did, but it seemed like it prepared you quite a bit more than I think anyone would think it would for these situations when it got down to like serious moments in life. You're like, I, you could pull from that. It seems, it seems big time rather than being, yeah, you can actually reflect and process. And yeah, I look at it now in the way I teach, um, special operators and even our, our coaching clients, what I call the five mountain path. And so the meditation allowed me to be, so the five mountains are physical, mentally, emotional, intuitional, and, and spiritual. And we use the term Kokoro, which I used to mention before. The Kokoro is a Japanese warrior term that means merge your heart and mind into your actions. Like bring your whole self into your actions. Hmm. So meditation physically because we use the breath through nostril breathing that led to a practice I called box breathing physically leads to arousal control and de-stressing, you know, the ability to put yourself Mm -hmm. in a moment of stress back into a homeostatic state, but also over time when you practice it every day, creates this very, very calm focused physiology. And it makes you, it, it brings, you bring that into your physical training and you become a better athlete and a better warrior athlete Mm -hmm. or mountain athlete. So physically it had huge benefits. Mentally, it develops deep concentration power and the ability to make better decisions because you have that metacognitive skill to be able to think about your thinking. So not only are you calm in in a shitstorm or a firefight, but you've got this ability to to slow time down and to kind of think about your thinking and be able to make better decisions. Well, that's a little bit valuable, you think? (laughs) right and then emotionally meditation opens up right and left hemispheric and so you have more whole brain thinking but also it opens up and allows you to connect to your heart brain and your and your gut brain so emotionally you're open you're having that heart opening and you're able to really connect and feel into empathically or with empathy your teammates um state or situation yeah Mm. and so when i went to buds you know i was like hey my teammate of my teammate, we called a bow crew with six other guys. There were seven of us. And so I really, really cared for them. I wasn't in it to win over them. I was there to win with them. And sure enough, out of the 185 students who started with me, all badasses, only 19 of us graduated and my entire boat crew of seven were, were there on that. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Which wow. is amazing. Yeah. And so that was the emotional piece that the meditation brought me. Mm-hmm. And then the intuitive piece is really your gut and or the integration of all that, where you're able to just sense shit. I tell you what, I can't mm. tell you how much that I, I probably saved my life like five or six times in the seals. You're just being able to listen to that voice. And I could tell you that losing my sight, going blind, and now it being 16 years, that is one of the uh, my my intuition is is so strong like just that yeah. gut feeling i um i can be in someone's presence just for a few seconds and and get so much information right um mm-hmm. that is so cool. that told me it can be developed i think i just was sort of you know my my senses had to compensate for that loss of vision which uh neuroscience shows that 80 percent of information is processed visually so right. I always like ponder on that, how crazy it is that, you know, I had to make up that 80%, but intuitive, that intuitive sense I feel is one of the strongest um, things that I developed. Right. So that's very fascinating. And the most important vision is internal vision, right? And so Mm -hmm. what you don't, you know, what you 
can't see externally or through that external input, you make up for internally, right? With your creative powers, your ability to yeah. envision things and to feel into your heart and gut. I believe that. That's really cool. But and I, that's I, also I developed say, through meditation, by the way. That's what kind of the point. Right. Is. And, I, and I think, again, you're looking at, if you look at society, all of this is the opposite. We look for everything external to solve everything externally. We look at everything right. um, in terms of myself, I, 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 I. And you're basically <laughs> you're doing <laughs> the opposite of all of those things. But more importantly, it's working for you. Like you're doing these things and you're seeing this is how it worked out for me. Right. And that's well, you get a that- pretty direct feedback in a high uh, stress and high risk environment, like like the mm-hmm. special operations, right? Mm-hmm. Or even like mountain fit, mountain athletics, right? You, you you get a lot of direct feedback quickly, and the risks are so high that you train yourself. I had a podcast the other mm-hmm. day with Colin Babcock and and or Colin O'Brady. He was a world class climber, and he was mm-hmm. telling us about or telling me about his K two expedition. You're trying to be the, one of the first Westerners or the first Westerner to, to summit in the wintertime. And he, he says 25% oh. of the people who try to summit that don't make it, right? So he's, he made it all the way up to the high base camp where, you know, you're going to make their final summit attempt and, and the weather window is like short. And so this is it, right? It's game on. And he's in his tent and he's preparing, waiting for the sun to go down. And another group of climbers, Westerners, came into camp. And they started to, you know, get their gear ready. And all of a sudden there's this kind of big commotion. And it turns out that they've left their tent down at the other camp. And so, you know, they wow. were either going to abort the mission, but Colin being the good guy that he is said, you know, okay, you've got, you know, you haven't come in my tent, which yeah. kind of obviously disrupted his chi a little bit. But so he's crammed into his one man tent with, with five others. And so they're there for wow. a couple hours. Right. And then, one of the guys, they start talking about the ascent and they said to Colin, when are you going to go? Like, when are you going to go? And he said, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, I don't know. And then he thought about that. He's like, hmm. And it turns out that Colin was, is a meditator. He'd been, he'd been through Vipassana, you know, 10 day silent retreat and he took it very seriously. So he's like, I better, I better go inside and check into this. And so he, wow. he went into a silent wow. meditation for a number of minutes and he heard, don't go. And he said, I better fucking trust that. After all that work of yeah. getting all the way up there, right? Oh, all that wow, expense, right. all the ego and glory for yep. being the person that he, you know, and so he, he opened his eyes and says, I'm not going. And they couldn't believe him. They just said, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So guess what? He doesn't go. They go and never come back. They're never seen from again. <gasps> Damn. Right. There's that. There's that intuition. Developed. Yeah. Intuition yeah there sure. is a voice and I, we've talked about it a couple of times. We talked to a couple uh, action sports athletes that get into like, you know, going off an 80 foot waterfall or big wave surfing, things like that. And, and there are different voices. And I know there's one time I heard it when I was going to go into the ice training because I started ice training because after I saw you guys at 20 X, I'm like, I got to, I got to <laughs> stick my head in the ice. Cause that seems like a good idea. Yeah, of course. But I, re- <laughs> I remember a different voice coming up. When I looked at the water, because I went to, I thought, okay, I've been in cold water, 40 degrees, whatever, but all I saw was ice. So I stuck my arm in the tub all the way to the bottom and there was no water. And I'm thinking, okay, this is all the way ice to the bottom. And I, 
I just remember going inside, getting inside the sauna. I actually happened to be at Kenny's place. And I'm sitting inside mm-hmm. there and I'm thinking a different voice comes up and it's like, okay, you know what this is. You know what you have to do. Another voice starts to talk to me and I'm thinking, who's this, right? Because you have your, <laughs> your, your conscious mind that's just running around terrorized from the water and everything. But then this other part of you gets very serious and very quiet and speaks to you in a way that... I'm not used to being spoken to. So then I'm like, there's different voices in my brain. I don't know what that is, but there's something else that takes over or starts in these serious situations. I think we've found. Yeah, totally. And And developing all those, it it feel like uh, for me too, and all the different disciplines, um, they start to really complement each other. Mm -hmm. And then from that, you gain this confidence. Like there's not this, like you're not questioning. You're like, Okay, I, I just got a very clear message. That's right. Um, right. <laughs> and I don't need to question it because um I'm dialed right now. Like you said, you're not like all spazzed out and 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 just over processed with information. There's this uh, sort of zen quality of like, yeah, I'm in a really intense situation right now, which I learned, you know, from you. I'll never forget uh Shane, mm-hmm. uh one of your coaches. Shane Hyatt. Um, guy. Yeah, he, he was uh uh I we kind of took a he really got on me and was, was with me through that seal fit experience. And one moment in particular was in the ice tub and I'm lean. So I, I don't do good with cold. Like it was, <laughs> I was all confident until you guys threw me in that damn ice tub. And then I lost all control, but what was, what was really fascinating about that. That was my introduction to the power of breath and how breath can modulate the nervous system response. Um, and, and honestly that was, um, that was a big shift at, at my with my seal fit experience because I at that point I realized that it wasn't just about the physicality of just being able to like do this next evolution and, and push through it and it was literally like okay like we're gonna encounter some very stressful situations um, my body is obviously show exhibiting those symptoms based on the stress like when you guys put me in the ice tub I'm shaking uncontrollably but then Shane was like just get control of your breath, like really calm, just mm-hmm. like, dude, just get, get control of your breath. And, uh, I was hearing what he was saying, but not actually like listening and, and applying. And, and once he was able to, you know, get up, get basically get my attention and, and I was able to start implementing the, the box breath. It was crazy because immediately I almost immediately I started, I stopped shaking. Right. Um, and then he kept coaching me through that. And it was this very, strong like very i had to think about it very hard be very present and and tell myself like i'm not cold you're fine um and then once shane saw that i was gaining some control he's like all right open your mouth i'm like what he's like open your mouth he shoves that water bottle Mm -hmm. (laughs) into it with the the end of it cut off and he goes now you're gonna go under the water and immediately boom (laughs) yep set back in I started controlling, un- sh- like shaking uncontrollably again. And then immediately we went right back through the exercise. Like, no, you got this. But anyways, with that said, I was able to go under the water, did the, you know, finish the exercise. And it was like, I was able to take that back out onto the grinder and be like, okay, mm-hmm. um, that was interesting. Like I was able to gain control of my response that mm-hmm. I didn't think I had control of what, just by breath. What are you looking mm-hmm. for there, Mark? Is that the sharpening of an individual? So when they look back, is that, what is, what is that? Yeah. Moment? It's like that iron sharpens iron. I mean, that is to take someone into an ex- extreme discomfort and teach them that mm-hmm. they have the ability to control their physiology and their mind 
to be able to endure. And then the more you do it, the more easily you endure it. And then, then there's a transference to where you bring those qualities to other hard things in your life. So you, you could look at the Kokoro, the 50 hours training, just as one hell of a long ice bath with a lot of other things that we throw in there. The whole thing is to steep you in massive amounts of discomfort, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, tactically, strategically, confusion, et cetera. So that once you complete Kokoro, even if you don't complete it, we hear the same thing, that there's very little in life that is hard again for you. Yeah. There's kind yeah. of like this experience of life before seal fit and then life after. Not only do you have the tools, we call the big four skills, breath control, positive internal dialogue, uh, positive imagery, knowing your why and having a vision about around that, and then micro goals or, or, or radical task orientation. Those four skills like can carry you through any challenging thing. And so we drill those relentlessly. So you've got these skills, but mm. then you also have desensitized yourself through all this training and, and also learn that you can't do it alone. So you're going to rely on, you know, all these different things. You've got to rely on a team. You've got to be clear in your vision, your mission, your why. You got to use these skills to stay calm and controlled in the firefight. You got to pause, breathe, think, and then act, not just act, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and suddenly, like you just you're just different than everybody else in the world because you know as you guys pointed out, like this is uncommon, right? It's not it's not yeah. normal. It's not taught in our society, in our culture, in our schools, and it should be. These are basic, and that's unfortunate. These are basic by human the way. skills. Just, yes, yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, high to me, high school should be. 20x <laughs> and exactly. you said that you get out you said that i remember when you secured us and we were debriefing and going through everything and you're like you know there's lessons that are going to be pulled later in life through this experience and i will i'll tell you going through it and um from that experience nothing in life has ever scared me since then like right? i'm gonna be like oh this is gonna this is really gonna suck <laughs> but i have never approached anything from that experience like oh, i don't know if i can do it right like in, and, and that's not even like, I'm sharing this now and I haven't really reflected too much on that, but it just, in 10 years is looking back the, the boldness and the ability to just like, uh, try things, do things. Um, there's no more of that. There's just a confidence there. Right. And, and, I, and I don't know if you know this, Mark, but we did a, a multi-pitch five pitch in Yosemite with Corey. Wow. And so he, did he gets out that's there. Cool. He gets it up on the fourth pitch, but like four or five hundred feet up in the air. Oh yeah! And he was the in this particular pitch, he was the third climber. So I wanted to videotape him from above. I was pulling all the gear. I was the last climber. But he also happened to be by himself on the rock, and you know he's completely vertical, trying to find the handholds, and he's feeling around, trying to find everything. He's stuck up there, and I'm looking at my watch, going, "This is taking too long. He, right. he probably should have been through this this area." And he tells me when he gets up there, he goes, yeah, he goes, I referred back to box breath because I started to get into a kind of a panicky mm-hmm. situation. Like, I don't know if I can get out of this. And he went to box breath. And I'm thinking- It was very, I mean, it was, well, I could tell you it was a lot scarier than the ice bath. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet. Because it was the low, like, uh, I was lonely. My team, yeah. my team was up at the top. <laughs> Why to, have you, know, you forsaken me? Feet above. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what happened. So they told- they told me on this pitch, they're like, uh, our lead climber, Matt Robinson, he's a world-renowned climber, badass yeah. dude. And he's like, Court, you're going to, like, on this climb, you're going to go up through this chimney, and you're going to reach a point where you're going to have to get crawl out of the chimney and sort of climb around this ledge. Well, I get to the chimney, and it starts getting narrow. 
And uh, to the point where like, oh, okay, uh, this is the spot that they're talking about that I'm going to have to get out. Yet every ounce of my being was like, don't freaking get out of that. Like you are not getting out of this, this space mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet I knew to get past it, I had to. And I ended up crawling out and, and got to the point where my feet were hanging over and wow. literally just in the air. And I know we're three, whatever, four, four pitches up. Feet, yeah. So at least, you know, five, 600 feet. And, and right there, that, that fear of, um, it set in yeah. and I, I lost, I started to lose control. I started to, um, get really nervous. I felt my, you know, my heart rate jump and it immediately went right back to that training. Like you better get your shit under control mm-hmm. right now because there's no way out um, of this other than really them coming down and rescuing mm-hmm. you. And that's going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, got control of my breath and, and within, I don't know, five minutes, I was able to figure that out and continue up. But yeah, I mean, that was like real world application. Yeah. It wasn't in a controlled environment. Um, but you know, to the, to my point earlier, like just learning the power of like the ability to modulate your nervous system response with your breath was, uh, very much learned through your seal fit, um, Mm -hmm. 20 X experience. That's a cool story. I mean, I can imagine how hard that would do if you could see the rock. <laughs> Jesus. Right. It was already hard enough going up it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Jeez Louise. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, because, yeah, exactly. You could see, oh, okay, I need to go up and around. It's right. not that bad. And, but, or, and yeah, you didn't have right. anyone saying, hey, the handhold is two inches a little bit further to the right or something. Nothing. Like no. He's got to feel everything. And while you're feeling all that stuff, you're burning massive amounts of right? energy because you're trying to balance on a rock. So, And my only <clears throat> my only sort of uh, directional uh, like guide is the rope as far as like finding my holds. Right. Um, it's going to be somewhere so, somewhere near the rope. Yeah. Uh, right, exactly. So it's not just like, oh, just follow the rope because sometimes you're not following the rope. You're following the crack. And Swing out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah, exactly. Sometimes I got off of, uh, I got on the wrong sort of route and I was had to figure it out. Uh, I haven't done any multi-pitches since. It I was, can't um, imagine. Like I'm still one- trying to wrap my head around that because, you know, I, my limited experience with climbing, you know, sometimes you got to like leap for a, a handhold. Like, I don't know how you would do that if you can't see it up there. You can't yeah. like, feel it. I would tell you one, the, I would never, I would have never gone up if we weren't with Matt Robertson. Right. So right. having, you know, a world-class guide. Um, yeah, there's, there's a comfort level. You there. might be familiar with Paradox Sports. Uh, I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, they do a lot of, uh, they work with a lot of, of warriors and, and veterans and stuff and they, they use climbing Um, You know, Mark made a really good point here, though. He said, uh, you know, he he drills it in about the breath work. Because I, to give me that ice situation I was talking about earlier, where it was solid ice, we had to sit there for three minutes. I was, I went into a panic in the middle of it. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I grabbed the side of the tub and I'm (laughs) I'm like freaking out. I mean, you just freak out. There's a point when you hit a panic moment. You're like, I can't do this anymore. Box breath. I do Mm -hmm. box breath in that too. And, And that got me through. I was able to finish the whole three minutes. And I think... Your to your point is that a lot of people have heard of box breath. It's been around a while, but I'm not convinced if you're not practicing something like that on a regular basis, when the shit hits the fan and it's and it's a tough moment for you to leading to a panic attack. Right. If you don't have it down, you're I don't know that you could just suddenly, oh, I know what to do. I don't know how that works. I mean, if you found you must have been in many instances mm-hmm. where you know, the rep- the repetition for it's people so to, important in the practice of it. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a practice, right? So, so that you have it available when you need it. But also mm-hmm. the practice, I mean, it has enormous health benefits because the pra- if you're doing a five count inhale, five count hold, five count exhale, five count hold, that's, that's basically three breaths per minute, right? So, so when you practice that 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening or a minimum 20 minutes in the morning, you're basically over time rewiring your nervous system. Not only are you getting all the benefits of like, what's happening to your neurobiology, but you're, you're, you're interrupting your automatic breathing patterns, which for a lot of people is erratic and this mouth breathing. And, you know, typically yeah. I think it's like stats say you're breathing anywhere from 14 to 20 times per minute, the average person. Mm-hmm. So box breathing takes it like really interrupts that and takes it down to three best per minute for one to two sessions a day. And it slows your natural breathing down. And what it does is it leads you to more naturally breathe through your nostrils and at a much slower pace and over time. So it, it might take several years, but for me, it took a, a couple of years to where then naturally I'm breathing at six breaths per minute, five count in, five count out, because you get into that pattern through your nose. And now yeah. research has shown that that's like the optimal breathing pattern for health, for longevity, right. for mental clarity. Yeah optimization yes and so box breathing allows you to train the optimal breathing pattern which is six breaths per minute in and out through the nose or into the nose out through the mouth calm cool and collected so it means it, it, the point here is it's got to be practiced just like any mm-hmm. physical skill you don't just suddenly master it yeah and i found too in my practice like uh it also starts to um open like my breath work practices become very meditative as That's well. That's right. Like it, it's not just like, Oh, I'm going to go do breath work exercise, even though it, it, it sort of started that way. Mm-hmm. But yet now when I find myself in really deep, intense, whether it's uh down regulatory mm-hmm. sort of box breathing, or if it's like intermittent hypoxic work in the sauna, mm-hmm. um, I just, uh, I find that I have this mental clarity yeah. and it doesn't matter if it's like hyper aroused state or if it's in that sort of Zen state, it's just, um, I can always sort of have this awareness of what my body is, uh, the situation it's in, mm-hmm. but yet it's, I don't allow, um, the stress to get to me or it, it's like, I'm so mindful. I'm so present. Um, yeah. and it's great because I, I and this is more recently, but I've been, I've thought a lot about this now where it, it like sauna, I do a lot of my breath work in the sauna and before it used to be um i would kind of question like i'd push myself do i need to be in here longer do i need to be in here longer and now that i facilitate everything through breath i know where my heart rate is i have a pretty good sense of blood pressure um the intuition is there i'm in a very meditative state so i know exactly when i need to get out mm-hmm. um and i know when i'm done right it's just it, it brings this whole sort of awareness to um, all of the disciplines that I'm, that I'm uh, right. into. So it's the center post, right. Of, of good training. And what you said, Corey is very astute or I'll say wise because the breath um, is the link or the bridge between the body, the mind and the spirit. And, or another way to say that between the ex- external and the internal. And so mm-hmm. the, the natural progression for a daily practice and also to teach someone basically over a long period to be a good effective meditator 
is you got to start with the physical and get the body moving and get the excess energy out or else when you sit down all the energy is going to be starting to move through your mind so you start with physical yeah. physical movement this is why some somatic movement or you know 100 burpees or just something to get the energy out then you move to the breath and the breath then draws you gently inward right so so hmm. burpees then box breathing and then you let go of the pattern of the box breathing which is really more of a concentration hook and you just allow the breath to naturally flow and then you're into your meditation and with a very deep inward focus yeah another thought that came to mind when you and mike were talking about um just uh being um how the practice of breath and how it 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 develop it works on your subconscious mm -hmm. and for me with like nasal breathing for example um i ne i never have to think about it and it's actually the opposite it doesn't matter if i'm sitting here at rest if i start to mouth breathe if i'm in a high intensity workout um if i wake up in the in the night um sort of like because i had some obstruction and i was mouth breathing which is very unlikely it's a it's literally a stress response mm -hmm. so i think That's the right. The, over the period of years of practicing, especially nasal breathing, it actually, the practice develops those neural pathways, strengthens that subconscious to where now it's not a conscious effort to do these things. And that's where the, the deeper intuitive and, and yeah. the, the awareness. Nostril breathing part. literally trains your brain. It, it, it's, it trains your mind. It's like the practice mm -hmm. of alternate nostril breathing. So going through in, in one nostril mm -hmm. and then out the other and then the other out, out the other. You know, essentially because the breath is going, the nostril breathing takes the breath up and up around, you know, above your, your eyes and then back down into your, right into your trachea, whereas throat just bypasses all that. And so, and then there's these things, these energy pathways called the nadis, right? You see the, the need in the pingla and then the central channel. So they go wrap around the central channel and wherever they cross is where your chakra or your energy centers are. So when you inhale in the alternate nostril, like if you inhale through your left nostril, then it goes up and it stimulates the right hemisphere of your brain through that nadi. Hmm. And, and same thing, right nostril stimulates the left hemisphere. And so, and even just both nostril breathing has the effect of stimulating and, and training the brain, bringing, um, you know, that kind of energetic um, life force to it. It's, it's, you know, well known in the ancient yoga practices that that breath control training, nostril breathing, breath control training is one of the primary tools for developing um, concentration power and opening up the pathways between left and right hemispheric thinking, which allows for more whole-minded thinking, which then allows you to go deeper, right? Because you're not in a, a bifurcated mental state, you know, where you're overly um, reliant on that left linear, you know, thought processes. It's really important, Mark. I think, and, and, you know, this is a little bit more on the esoteric side, but, you know, even if you don't care about that and you just want to nostril breathe for health, wow, just mm -hmm. doing box breathing will get you into your optimal physiology, right? It, it'll help you lose yeah. weight. It'll bleed off all the anxiety and stress, help you sleep better. You'll train better. And when you do all that, you'll feel better and you'll eat better. And it just creates this virtuous virtuous cycle right? and then you start mm -hmm. to experience the emotional and psycho-spiritual benefits and uh, and then maybe you'll be attracted more to the the meditative benefits of the breathing practices to draw you deeper and then you know then you're hooked you're you know you're on your way 
You know, I wanted to say earlier that idea of like first physical, then breath and meditation. A lot of clients will come to me and, and they're physically out of shape or broken and I can't get them into meditation right away. I've got to, I've got to fix the body. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then we, right. And then we work on the breathing and then we right. teach them the meditation in that order, sequencing. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and, and I think I'm curious, Mark, because you, you, not a lot of people know, at least maybe for our listeners too, your overall goal. I mean, Corey and I very much look at uh, as students as students of yours over the years, you know. And and I think I would love for you to just ex- explain kind of your goal with the Unbeatable Mind and and where you've taken where you're <coughs> taking the resilience for the population. Like you've really you you, you really see that that there's a need out there. And I just would love yeah. for you to speak to to how how and why for you. Well. Seal Fit and Unbeatable are really same company, just different faces. Right. Our goal is to create strong bodies, strong minds, and strong teams. And and that's what, you know, remember that theory that you give people what they want, but then teach them what they need. Hmm. So it's our Trojan horse. So people want to have strong bodies, strong minds, and they need strong teams. And so, and, and our country's gone weak, Right. Because our culture and our structures and our government and our corporations have gone overboard and are incessantly trying to weaken people and keep them in a state of distress, distraction, yes. and disease. So that, you know, there's just an enormous hmm. amount of money in that. Right. And so I want to fight back against that. And ultimate autonomy, authority, and freedom comes from having a healthy mind body and being clear about your why on this planet. Because everyone here is for a unique purpose, but it's hard to find that purpose if you're all distracted, drugged up, and you know, sugared up and, you know, always yeah. on your phone. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right. So my, my goal through SealFit is to get people healthy and strong and resilient and, and free again, free and have, and mm-hmm. have that freedom being, you know, being brought to families and communities and, and whatnot. But the Trojan horse part about giving them what they actually need is they need that. But then ultimately at the end of that road is a path to, um, being the, being the wholest, most complete version of yourself possible in this lifetime mm-hmm. to include being an enlightened human being in service to humanity. So my, my ultimate mission is to, to bring a hundred million people onto this path of the five mountain training, right. And, and have those people, those individuals work in unison as a team, as a tribe in, um, in a community of, of positive world centric connected or interconnected cooperation to be the change that we want to see in the world at scale. Not to go fight against, you know, all the crap that's going on like a justice warrior, because you fight against something with negative energy. You fight against negative and negative magnifies the negative. The only way to fight against the negative of what's going on in our society is with love. And the only way to get the love is to be strong and open your heart. And you do that by being strong with a team and by training yourself in the way we've talked about here today. If you're not training yourself, yeah. then the world's training you and the results will speak for themselves. <laughs> that's so oh, true. That's a good quote. I like that. Well, and the beautiful thing about what you just said is you're, it's not just a beautiful idea that you've actually been executing this for years. And I think that- Yeah, we're 16 you know, years in, which is hard to believe, right, Corey? It's like, holy schmoly. Yeah, but yeah, it's so I, great. I cannot believe I had the 10-year thing pop up like with Kenny's memory. Right. And I'm just like, but I, I want to share this with you that- you know, I'm a testament of your work. Um, and even though 
I mean, I followed your work. Uh, we've had, we only had one or a few in-person experiences, 20X being like the really powerful one. Um, and I've definitely like followed your, uh, your work over the years, um, online and whatnot. Thank you. But between you and Kenny, I have to say like it, uh, it, it changed my, to the point of the world sort of has this program for us. Like this is, you know, this is the way, this is the way it goes when you reach 40, you know, you're, you're getting old and, and things just, um, there's sort of this, uh, this path that's laid out for you the way it is. Yeah. And when I met you and, and Kenny, it was like, holy shit, you know, Kenny at that time was, you know, about my age now, early forties, around 40. Um, and I'm like, these dudes are totally see it different. Like mm -hmm. they are some of the most in shape, um, just physically like just badasses. Um, but then as I got to know, get to know you guys on a deeper level, I'm like, there's so much more than just the physical aspect mm -hmm. of it. So I can just tell you that it completely changed my trajectory in life. Um, as far as what I could accomplish and, and what the story I'm telling myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's awesome. And I, I you know, I want to, I want to be that individual that has the same impact on, you know, the, a 20 year old or a 30 year old yeah. where it's like, damn, like I don't need to be like 90%, 95% of the population. I can be strong, resilient, mm -hmm. um, you know, start anything I want to start at any point in life. So I thank you for that. That was, that was a big oh, takeaway for I me. I appreciate that. And thank you for doing the work and for your contribution, both of you guys. It's really important. Right. And I do believe like, I'm very optimistic about the future. Like, what we're talking about here is real and a lot of people are listening and yet there's 50% of our culture is obese. So we just got to keep hammering this, right? Keep hammering 50% yep, of our, our culture. And, and the, the alarming part is 50% of children, yeah. like adolescents. Right. Um, and, and you know, Mark, they, they've changed like the fitness right. level test for the military, like the army, like, no, no, it's, uh, relen it's relentless. Down it's with, relentless. Yeah. But so we, get, we can you know, only keep it's doing our mission. Our, here's the other thing is, you know, I, yeah. I understand or I look at it like in a vibrational energetic quality, uh, heavily influenced by the work of Dr. David Hawkins, you know, who, who studied, mm -hmm. sure. studied a spectrum of consciousness from like zero to a thousand. And he was able to calibrate it using kinesiology or basically body energy consciousness. And um, his work is so profound that he was knighted, but it's largely been kind of like shuttled aside in America because, you know, mainstream, that's like, well, we don't want people to know the truth, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, but anyways, negative energy has a very low vibrational quality. So everything you see in network news, the fear, you know, all the fear around the pandemic and all the fear uh, sure. that's being promoted, it, it has a very low vibrational quality. This is why when you engage with it, you just feel down right? It pulls you down if you're a positive person. So you can't engage with that. You know, I haven't had TV and watching news in over 20 years. I just can't do it. It actually hurts me. It's amazing. And, um, and so, so what he calibrated was that all that energy is a below what he called the level of 200. And so he's named it. The lowest energy around 40 is shame. And then you've got, you know, guilt and anger and jealousy and, uh, and, et cetera, et cetera. and then you get up to pride, which is like 190, but still negative. But, you know, you see the Marine Corps, you know, is is all about pride but it's still a negative energy hmm. and um the the turning point from negative to positive is courage at around 200 right 
So then after courage, we move into acceptance and then into, you know, different stages of love, you know, and, and there's many, many faces of love. Like that's one of the challenges we have with the English language. We have one word for some, we're for like a literally thousands of different ways to experience <laughs> totally. love. All the way up to just absolute universal consciousness bliss, which is, you know, a, a thousand. And he said, I didn't think the human being could have hold anything higher than a thousand vibrations, but other beings, you know, you might say an angel or archangel could be at 10,000 or 50,000. And he said that Jesus, like Jesus and the Buddha calibrated at a thousand. And right. 500 okay. is love, 540 or 560 is like universal love. At any rate, my, where I'm going with this is mm-hmm. when you do the work that we're doing and you start to open your heart, your vibrational level, your, your actual consciousness will start to vibrate at those levels. And someone vibrating at 500 or 560 has like infinitely more power to transform than someone vibrating at 80 or 150 or 150 or 190, right? Sure. And so it only takes one person vibrating at a thousand, like a Jesus or a Buddha, to completely wow. hold humanity in balance from imploding with all that negative energy. Interesting. So imagine, wow, can you is, imagine a wow. hundred million people vibrating at 560 at universal love? I mean, it, this whole world would be I was curious utterly transformed. That hundred million number, that's utterly okay. transformed. And these are frequencies. It's, uh, I guess it's just a measurement, like megahertz. A, 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 or, uh, yeah, I don't or, even, uh, and, you know, I don't even think you can measure it in megahertz. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's so fine that a, that it's not right. It's, it's not it's consciousness. It's almost. not something that a mechanical machine can measure right. at this stage measure, of our right. human development. It, it can this only be measured by someone with a high vibrational consciousness. Like it can't be measured by someone below two hundred. By the way, which is pretty interesting. Well, and I find that fascinating because I've studied a little bit of, of like music as it relates to resident frequencies right. and stuff. And like, if you take something like death metal, for example, like really oh, yeah, low, very dark. negative. Yeah. And you right. put, you put a you plant take, and you listen to that metal, it'll kill the plant. Absolutely. But then if you take a praise and worship right. music um, and you look at the frequencies, it's totally different. That's right. And, very and then similar beyond things. that... Right. And then beyond that, it's so fascinating that we uh, like organs and every cell in our body will res, you know, has different resident frequencies. Right. So this is why, this is why positive visualization and imagery and positive self-talk and gratitude yeah. is so profound because it, that's one of the ways to, to like, just begin to train out the negative patterns that you've adopted or been trained into you or entrained into you. And negativity, right. and it, like what I learned sense. this is like, I used to say this in my SEALFA training, that negativity destroys your performance. It actually weakens you. And this is what leads mm-hmm. to people to quit, right? Because they start obsessing about, it can't make it. I'm going to get injured. I suck. I'm not as good as Mark. And all that negative self-talk is actually weakening their body because it's, you know, it's, it's wow. taking their energy state down until they literally have no energy left and they quit. But if you literally look that, you know, stare that wolf in the face, I call it staring down the fear wolf. And you just talk to yourself positively. You're like, I got this. I'm going to do this. Piece of cake. You got this, Mark. And you talk to yourself both in the first and the second person. And eventually you start to believe yourself because you're starting to feel more positive energy. So it's actually strengthening you instead of weakening you. It's going the opposite direction. That's right. And the same thing, the same, uh, what we were talking about with breath, like facilitating that practice that develops the subconscious. And eventually those states become easier to achieve. That's right. Um, At least in my experience, that's, that's been my. True that. 
takes practice. That they, they, all these things take practice, but you you integrate them mm-hmm. into a singular practice. That's why we call it integrated development. So mm-hmm. that every day you're training yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, intuitionally, and spiritually. And then it's just you know it's just like clockwork. You're just ratcheting yourself up every single day. You're coming and you're just leaving that day a little bit higher frequency, a little bit more positive, a little bit healthier, a little bit better of a teammate, a little bit more open hearted, a little bit more aligned with love and gratitude. And then you get into like, wow, why am I holding on to those regrets? And why am I not forgiving that person? Because it's just holding me back. It's just making. And so then you get mm-hmm. into the higher states of forgiveness and love. And so you, essentially. You forgive everybody and you forgive yourself because it's a forgiveness is like love in action. And then you start to have those that what they call the Kundalini, you know, awakening experience where the energy is allowed to free flowly flow freely through you. And you become, you literally get lighter and you start emanating light. You know, this is why you see people who are like highly evolved and they're just glowing like a light bulb because the energy is flowing freely. It's not stuck with negative dark energy. Those low frequencies, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you went I mean, way into the metaphysical there, but that was awesome. Thank you. No, no that's, that's a good way to describe it, though. I, it's bad. I've never thought of it that way, and, and I know that those. And it's so true. <laughs> I, I believe it. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's we felt around. all ends of it. I think you and I have had the. We both had near death experience. He had the accident, but I had pneumonia at one point thirty years ago, and I almost didn't make it. You know, they didn't know how to treat ARDS back then very well, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, I had those experiences. You know, in my thirties, where the world just got flipped upside down too. And you start to see it differently and you realize the things that you were just explaining make absolute sense to me. Yeah. And my favorite part of this, and I've been able to experience this experience this over the last decade is uh, being able to like, these are personal practices, mm-hmm. but what it's, what it's been able to do for me as a father, um, as a husband, um, just showing up and in my community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a business partner, um, like there's so much, there's so much benefit from these, these practices. Um, right. Cause wherever you go, there you are, right. You bring, you yeah. bring your whole self into your family and they experience that as more presence, uh, more care yeah. and concern. You know, you're not distracted thinking about something. You're not, you know, projecting all your crap onto your kids or your wife. And they're like, wow, you're really different, you know? And then yep. you become more effective at building a team and attracting a great team. And yeah, it's just, it, it, all of this translates into exceptional leadership qualities. Well, the, the proof is in the pudding. And if you, you remember what you said in the beginning about your childhood and how you grew up to where you are right now, it's, you can't, <laughs> you that. couldn't be any more opposite. Yeah, you're like, talking that's about just, breaking generational patterns. Heck right. Yeah. And then, Heck yeah, that's so true. I mean, yeah. your morning routine, I was like, okay, so this is what it looks like when you come out the other side, folks. Uh, right. That's why we're, that's why we're listening to Mark whenever we get a chance. It's worth yeah. it. And, and it's great too, because, um, you know, that was our mission with Mountain Wellness is everything we're talking about. It's just paying that forward. Yes. You know, things that yeah. we've learned through our experiences with you and, you know, other very talented, wise individuals that I've had, you know, been blessed to work with. It's it's all paying that forward now because I'm at a point where I've done the work um, and now I, I want that to flow Let's out. Let's share it. I want, yeah. I want, right. to, I want to pay that forward. Mm-hmm. So. And not, it's, it's natural but it's also a way for you to go deeper in your own work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it, so once you, and it's just like the idea, like to learn anything, you've got to teach it to really learn anything and master it. You've got to teach yeah. it. So in your own uh, journey of integration, 
and um and growth there's a point where you literally just have to share it and teach it or else you'll s- slow down in your growth and get stagnant and so it's like energy yeah, energy has to flow fetched. right it's, it's like imagine <laughs> just taking stuff in and holding it in right well then you you know like the japanese saying you, you're not emptying your cup every day so it, the way we empty our cup is to share it and then it, it opens up room for more depth and learning and more insight and so we want yeah. to have information and energy flowing through us so that we can be like this pristine deep river that's just constantly flowing as opposed to a stagnant pond you know what i mean <laughs> this, right that works for for hydration it works for energy it works for uh, learning and growth right it's, it's meant to be shared yeah whereas you think about like wow. traditional traditional knowledge of the western kind of knowledge path of all the experts and the PhDs and academics, you know, they kind of hoard knowledge and trademark it and publish the little books and papers and, and criticize each other. Yeah. Private universities. And, right. And yeah, so that's, that becomes an obstacle. In fact, in fact, uh, knowledge is an actual obstacle to growth, to wisdom. So think about that. You want to, yeah. So it, this, it, is the, this is like that saying, the more I know, the, the more I know, I don't know. So if you try to hold on to knowledge, like I am getting my doctorate right now, but that was really largely to finish something I started before, that I had to move away from when I went to war in 2004. And I like, I want to finish my doctorate and I want to study what we're doing in Unbeatable and I, nobody else is going to do it. So I better just do that. Global leadership mm-hmm. and chain Pepperdine. But I also recognize that all this knowledge mm-hmm. is just temporary information that I'm throwing into my head so I can write their papers and tests. And, um, totally. and maybe I'll get some framework and some words that help me communicate more effectively to a certain group of people like CEOs, but I'm right. not like egotistically or egoically like latching onto this knowledge and thinking that, Oh, I own something or I'm special, or I know something that other people don't know because I recognize that's an obstacle to growth. It's ever evolving. You just got to let that go and let it flow and let the wi- the wisdom comes from direct perception, not knowing or not thinking that you know something then allows to allow for insight or a new perspective or to learn from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The willing, the, like just the willingness yeah. to be open. Right. Um, dang. Some deep stuff, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we yeah. pushing, <laughs> piled higher and deeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Great conversation, guys. Well, I think uh, I think this is a good place to to start wrapping it up. Um, but I do have um, I'd like to ask you just one question, or maybe a piece of advice to someone that because I know you know we're not necessarily in the the biohacking space or like you know the self optimization space. Like our goal with Mountain Wellness is really to bridge health and human performance. Um, to the the mountain athlete to that outdoor the outdoor space um so a lot of these um topics and conversations that we're getting into are you know new for a a lot of our listeners Mm -hmm. and i know that there's got to be a lot of very intrigued by what we're talking about so do you have like some advice because you're just such um you're so deep in your knowledge and your practice um the you're so enlightened in in Someone that just wants to start, like what, what's some good advice to get started on their personal growth journey? Um, whether that's, you know, the physical part, is it breath? Is it mm-hmm. just, 
and share some of your sure. your experience with that. First of all, um, everyone wants to reach for the brass ring right away, but you have to work on the fundamentals. It's like when we in SEAL training, <clears throat> we all wanted to be able to shoot the bad guy out of a heli- flying helicopter while we're hanging off the side, you know, in a moving car. <laughs> <laughs> But the SEALs are wise enough to say, you know what, just hold your horses. What we're going to do here first is just to take your pistol up and dry fire it, you know, thousands of times. So yeah. when you're starting on this path with Mountain Wellness or SEAL Fit or wherever, you got to consider what's, what's, what needs to be dry fired. And for many people, it's just they need to get their body structurally <clears throat> ready to train. And so that's like mo- mobility and durability and health, like optimization. So everyone could probably, not everyone, but a lot of people can improve their diet, their sleep, their hydration, and their movement patterns. So start there. Mm -hmm. And while you're doing that, begin a practice of box breathing, because what we said earlier is germane. Like you can box breathe and make that part of every training session. You just box breathe for five minutes before every training session and five minutes after. And you can make it part of every day. You look at your whole day. And one of our philosophies is one day, one lifetime. You have this day. That's all you have. Don't worry mm-hmm. about tomorrow. It hasn't come yet. It's a fantasy. And don't worry about yesterday. As the SEAL says, the only easy day was yesterday. Why? Because it's done. You don't get to do it over. <laughs> and so it's easy. <laughs> so but what you have today is an opportunity to be better and do better. So what are you going to do about that? And so today I can look at my schedule and say, listen, I can, I, I've got to train. I'm going to move my body effectively to train myself to, you know, eradicate some dysfunctional movement patterns. And I'm going to breathe, box breathing, to, to eradicate some dysfunctional mental and, and, and physiological patterns and get back into balance, build that foundation of, of fundamental basic health. We call them the six pillars, exercise and movement, fueling and nutrition, so nutrition is what you eat. Fueling is how you eat and when. Oh, I like that. De-stressing. So breathing is part of that, but also time in nature. Time in nature is a separate one. It's like we need to, you need to train outside and be outside. You guys know that, obviously. And yeah, love that, but 100%. Something happens when you're outside and out of the artifice of a, of a gym. It's okay to use a gym once in a while and those tools, but body just thrives on being outside and fresh air and sunshine and all that. And with a team, train with a team. And that's the, the other one is the community of practice and then sleep. So all of those you got dial in. That's where you start. Those are the fundamentals. Those are the basics. Those are your dry fire. And once those are really dialed in and, you, and you're feeling like a, a million bucks, okay, now take it up a notch and start doing some of the mountain wellness fitness regimes and get out on the rock and, and, and do the kind of fancier stuff. But if you don't do the other stuff first, you're putting yourself at risk. And you're also yeah, putting so yourself true. not just at physical yeah. risk of injury or, or, or worse, but you may, you're not going to enjoy the experience as much because it requires yeah. a high degree of, of um, human body, mind integration to do the, you know, those complex sports, any sport, right? Surfing mm-hmm. or being a Navy SEAL or even CrossFit, right? You don't walk in and, and go straight to the CrossFit Games if you're a non-athlete, right? <laughs> Take years. No. So that's really my, you know... Number one. That was so there. beautifully said. Because um, it's longevity, right? That's yeah. like, Mike, that's our big thing is each like decade that passes, we want to be able yeah, yeah. to maintain. We want to be able to enjoy ourselves on a backpacking trip right. at, at 80 years old. 
Um, and that's not what, you know, society tells us. <laughs> and that brings up a really good um, point, Corey, is, is get clear about why you're doing the training. You know, and a lot of people, back to kind of the SEAL thing, it's like people come to us and, and we ask them, what's your why? Why are you training to be right. a Navy SEAL? And they're like, well, because I want to prove how tough I am or because I want to impress my daddy or my mama or my girlfriend or I want to get the girls. And I'm like, not great whys, right? <laughs> You know, so what's your why? My why was to be a warrior. Some whys, and that was a very strong one. And some whys, like, yeah, that was I, I want to serve my country is pretty strong, but not as strong as I want to be. You know, I, want, I have to do this because I'm a warrior. But if you can combine those, like I, just, I have to do this and I'm a warrior, and I want to serve my country in a way that's meaningful. Now you're, yeah. you're pretty bulletproof, right? So why are you training? Is it just to look good in the bathing suit or to lose weight? You, those can be like ancillary, you know, outcomes, but your primary yeah, goal byproduct. is to optimize your life, to live long and prosper, Amen. you know? Amen. That's I it. can't do that. Like Spock did it. Live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs> 100% though. All right, Mark, thank you so much. Um, gosh, there's, I know I'll be listening to this again. Um, yeah, this is a blast. You just shared so much knowledge and uh, so good to connect with you. I know it's been some time, but I feel like just hearing your voice, it was yesterday you were- Agree. Screaming at us on the grinder. <laughs> <laughs> with love, with love. People say, boy, you're so, yeah. you're so mean. I'm like, no, there's not, a, there's not a mean bone in my body or coming out of my voice. And I don't think anyone no. feels that, right? But it's hard for not. You got to look for the, you look for the lesson in, in that. Right. You're looking, yeah. you should, if you're looking yeah. right, you're looking for the lesson, right. I think. Yeah, and we spoke on it. Like the, you know, what I got out of that, I can't, I can't ever thank you enough. Um, because it, it set, like I said, the, the trajectory. Right. It, it gave me the practices, the practice and the discipline to continue on. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so and now I, we're, we're... I don't eat donuts anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> something worked for me. <laughs> That's good to hear. So, all right, Mark, where can our listeners find out more about your work? Um, I'm assuming sealfit.com. It's probably a good place to start. Sealfit's a good place to learn about that training. My website, markdivine.com, has all my books and my podcast called The Mark Divine Show. And I also have a weekly newsletter that comes out called Divine Inspiration. So you can, they can subscribe there. And they can find me on, yeah, you awesome. know, so I got the social media stuff, like at Real Mark Divine and Facebook and on Instagram and, and Mark Divine at Twitter and LinkedIn. I have yeah, and you've been so great, man. You've been... Uh, just pumping out content, amazing content. I have a good team. I don't time. actually use social media myself. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. <laughs> yeah. Finally had to start awesome. a TikTok account. Like- I'm like, I don't use TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I lasted for a month on TikTok, you- <laughs> I, but I, I got to revisit it. Yeah. It's, well, you know, for marketing purposes. Yeah. Every, all the young people are that's going the to- next generation, Gen Z. That's and, right. you know, we're talk, going back to that 100 million. That's, that's the next that's generation right. we really need to make an impact on. And they're eager so, to learn. They are. Yeah. They're, they're, they're used to consuming. They've had information at their fingertips from the time they've been born. Right. Um, I think the, the 11th grade or senior class right now in high school was like the first iPhone when they were born. So it's, no it's crazy to think that Yeah, we have a generation now, a graduating class that is never known not having wow. an iPhone or being connected. Yeah. Like crazy, a, a right? new strand of the human race. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I look at it right now as like those are the true distractions and not the great benefits. But what's happening right here and what we're talking about yeah. is what is what changes li- changes your life long term. I really that's feel that you know, absolutely. That's why we've really focused on the long form content and, and and extracting the wisdom from individuals like you. So oh. I, I feel like it's super blessed, Mark. Thank you. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. You guys rock. I really appreciate you having me on. 
Super stoked. I oh. hope to see you again in person. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Let's do something really soon. Uh, we're super blessed. Thank you, Mark. And, uh, for our listeners, you can catch um, all of our upcoming events and current events on mountainwellnesslife.com. Uh, check out our respiratory training course uh, also on mountainwellnesslife.com. Make sure to use Tribe at checkout uh, for a nice little discount. And that's all we got for today. Once again, thanks, Mark, for coming on the show. And yeah. you guys keep spreading that mountain stoke. Peace. Peace. Thank you, sir. Ooh, yeah. Good. You guys rock. Fun interview. Yeah, thank, thanks so much. The information provided on the Mountain Wellness Podcast is for educational purposes only and not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should always consult a medical professional or healthcare provider if you're seeking medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 